0: Welcome to the Crexie Podcast, an insider's look at all things commercial real estate. I'm Ashley Kopovic, Regional Director at Krexi, and today's host. Each episode, the Crexie team dives into a broad range of topics and conversations with featured experts to investigate trends, educate listeners, and understand the latest industry news in commercial real estate. As the nation's fastest-growing online CRE platform, we're excited to provide a window into the inner workings of commercial real estate for this generation and the next. Welcome and thank you all for joining us for this episode of the CREXI Podcast, an insider's look at all things commercial real estate. I'm your host, Ashley Kopovich, Regional Director at CREXI, And today we are thrilled to sit down with Cherry Tedesco Gamble, before we dive in, a little bit about our guests. Cherry is the managing director of KW Commercial, based out of their channel side, Tampa Central office. As a top producing agent of KW Commercial nationwide, Cherry attributes her tenacity and deep market knowledge to her success with brokering over $21.9 million in deals in 2021 alone. Her focus is on commercial real estate in Tampa Bay and the surrounding markets, the Southeastern USA, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. She specializes in single tenant net lease, retail strip centers, retail redevelopment, boutique beach hotels with retail, and landlord and tenant leasing. In addition to her expertise in commercial real estate advising and strategic planning, Sherry has extensive experience in market data trend evaluation, market and financial analysis, business development, organizational restructuring, and operational management. These skills provide her with a clear understanding of her client's specific needs and business goals so that she may offer solutions to uniquely fulfill those goals. She's also a recent winner of a Prexy Platinum Broker Award. Sherry, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Ashley. Great to be here.
0: Of course, of course. We'd love having you. So before we dive in, first topic for our listeners, I'd love to just begin by asking some deeper questions about that background, your career path, and how you got to where you are today. So first and foremost, what sparked your interest in commercial real estate? And then how did you get started in retail and hospitality in particular?
1: Well, when I left Corporate America about five, five and a half years ago, and then kind of deciding on what it is that I wanted to do, a close friend of mine, uh, which owns a small boutique brokerage, had suggested and, you know, asked me if I wanted to get my real estate license. And I said, and, and sell houses, <laughs> you know, and that's, and no disrespect, I have a lot of great colleagues of mine that I happen to work with that are on the residential side, but that wasn't something that I was interested in. And um, he said, no, I, I meant commercial real estate because that's something that you already did. I just wasn't a licensed um, agent at that time. And it was just part of being in technology and working for the global company that I had worked with. That was part of the entire analysis that we did with, with providing you know, Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies with uh, real estate acquisitions and integration and things like that. So that's how I got started in that way. So then after I got my license, I went to work um, for that small, you know, boutique brokerage. Knowing some a little bit it you know, at going into it, I mean, I knew about acquisitions and I knew about financial and legal. And, and one of the things that, you know, I learned very quickly, which I'm very grateful for, is he's also been in, a certified appraiser for the past 30 plus years. So that is something that's come into a, a great deal of play to be able to do a market analysis or provide a BOV for a client, things of that nature, and learned a great deal, you know, from him at that point. But what I didn't know and really didn't understand, but figured out very quickly that. Yeah, there are so many elements and that come into play with commercial real estate, many different verticals, ways from marketing and advertising, strategic planning. And I mean, literally with not given any, you know, type of direction or a game plan and and just something that was new to me I mean I just kind of hit the streets and did like your traditional type of cold calling and and door knocking and and learned very quickly I mean within I want to say maybe a few months I was like this is not working <laughs> it doesn't work <laughs> So I regrouped, I wasn't working for a very long time before I, I moved over to, you know, to KW, but I, I just knew that way of going to market wasn't something that after several years, you know, working for a global 50 company and technology and working with the size companies that I had done and, and being successful in technology that included real estate, I decided with all of my knowledge and the things that I had learned through corporate trainings to incorporate what I had learned from you know, a couple of the different companies that I had worked from a technology standpoint. So with that understanding, that's the reason why I went to market the way that I did go to market and understanding from not only from an enterprise level, but from an investment, from acquisitions, from the marketing, from you know, social media and, and went to market that way. You know? But I also did some traditional just picking up the phone, had different lists you know, through different platforms that we happen to use. And just started flat out cold calling. That's how I actually got my first listing is making introduction. You know, it wasn't actively for sale. It was a strip center and a retail strip center and just started having conversation and dialogue with, with the ownership and building a rapport, but it wasn't me picking up the phone and just saying, oh, are you interested in, you know, selling your property it was more about building relationships. And that's the way that I, I've, I've always, you know, in sales before have always presented myself and building that relationship, building that rapport, building that confidence and that trust. That's what has led to, you know, Multiple different types of deals, whether it was in retail or, you know, hospitality, and one thing led to another. So, so that's kind of how I started in retail. It wasn't, it wasn't something that I really was uh, had a geared focused on in the very beginning. It was just it seemed more interesting. There were larger deals, so why yeah. not? <laughs> and just see if I can start there. So that's kind of how it started, you know, and, and from the retail standpoint.
0: So. There you go. That's absolutely it. I, I love talking about that. I mean, I love going after, you know, the larger whales, the bigger deals. You know, you got to try your hand at at everything and if you can get the most commission or the most bang for your buck, right. you know, that's what right. we want to go after. We want to be it. hungry. We want to make that money. That's why most people are in commercial real estate. So, I absolutely love that. You know, you kind of picked what you wanted to do and, and just went for it and obviously it was really successful for you. Right. Thank you. Of course. Of course. And to the second point, you always got to pick up the phone. You always got to make those relationships, you know, even if if it's not a sale right away you know right. you can use that relationship down the road and it's really just mm-hmm. all about building that brand and building that connect. For you, I mean I'm I'm sure you brought a lot of value to to these people that you were calling just straight out of the gates based on your experience, you know, in analytics and evaluating market market trends and things like that. Can you talk to our listeners about how that you know, set you up for your success and maybe separated you from some of the other people that maybe were calling on those same owners?
1: One of the things that I can definitely say, and I'm sure, you know, all of my colleagues that are out there and, and my constituents and, you know, there there is a lot of work in commercial real estate, you know, and many, many, many long hours and, you know, understanding from the retail standpoint, and I've only been licensed for a little over four and a half years, but have been very grateful and, and blessed and been very successful and have a lot of great, you know, high-profile listings in that scenario. But I did a lot of research, you know, from a retail standpoint. You have multiple different types of verticals that are out there. You know, visualization, you know, with driving around, looking and see what's the co-tenancy mix, what are the reasons, what are the specific drivers, that will actually make a type of a specific type of a, a tenant wanting to move to a, a specific market or, you know, in a specific area, be around other different types of co-tenancy that are the drivers that bring a, additional customers to, a you know, specific space or, or a retail center or a power center or something like that. So, with understanding, the, you know, the buying, the the buying intelligence behind someone, you know, and understanding, you know, like very specific areas, you know, living here in Tampa, you know, we have just like other markets, you know, we have certain areas. There's, you know, high diversification, but uh, you know, due to not necessarily, you know, income or or, you know, that like full demographics, there are other softwares that are out there that you can actually use, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly I have a background (laughs) like with software development and application, you have all those kinds of things and understanding, you know, the BI, the business intelligence, you know, that comes behind, why do people buy what they're buying, you know, what is also with an expendable income, and then putting it all together, you know, why is it more desirable? And you know, in an area where we have a, a large population of a Greek population. Actually, Tampa Bay has the largest Greek population in the entire United States. And why in that particular area? Why are certain types of retail, you know, retail tenants wanting to be in a certain area? Well, if you understand, you know, buying habits of Greek community, then um, you understand certain types of things that they like, they don't like, what they like to be around. So th- there's a lot of there's a lot of key factors that come into play, and there's different software that's out there as well that you can be able to use as well. I, I don't use all the different types of software we have. We have a few that we use, but also you know just having an understanding of why you know people are buying what they buy, and you know some good common sense. And a lot of hard work. <laughs> I know what I like, you know, in that scenario, and places that I like to go go to, and and a diversification of different tenant mix. You know, what types of tenant mix works well with others. You know, there's, you know, with with healthcare and and with physical fitness. You've got want to have entertainment. You know, type of a platform that's there. There are drivers that, you know, looking at from a retail standpoint, looking at a different types of centers. You know. Having that diversification, you know, the the drivers that are bringing people that are there, and then they're feeding off of one another. You know, they may not have had known that, you know, let's say physical fitness type of, of a tenant may be there. You know, well with physical fitness that is being from exercise, you know, then there's lots of other types of things. You could have a tanning place. You could have you want healthy concept food. You know, you want to have, you know, multiple different kinds of restaurants, you know, dessert, then you'll have, you know, all different, you know, clothing, equipment, just a lot of different types of things. So fortunately for me, understanding that, you know, I'm very specific on the different places that I happen to represent and and working with my clients and, and as they are with me, (laughs) but they do know that we, we put everything that we possibly can into it and, and we work very hard you know, on, if it doesn't happen to come to us, we create a way to get tenants to come to us, you know, and picking up the phone and the emailings and the marketing and the campaigns, all those different types of things. It's not just sitting back Mm -hmm. for, you know, it's great, you know, with other brokers coming to us or tenants reaching out, potential tenants reaching out to us, but it's our job to make sure, you know, we, we find a co-tenancy of mix, you know, and do go through the vetting process for them. So anyway, hopefully that helps. A
0: little bit. It does. It does. Thank you. Thank you for that overview and that wealth of knowledge. I mean, it's clear, you know, you mentioned that you just got your, you know, license four and a half years ago, went, went into commercial real estate five years ago, right? That's a short amount of time to be able to be so successful. But just based on, you know, that overview right there, it's clear to see you know, the reasons why, right. Building the rapport, making sure that you're understanding the market, you know, using tools, a little plug, like maybe Craxi's intelligence portion of our, our pro platform, right. To understand the demographics, you know, maybe if you're not so familiar or to understand what a tenant might like, what other places, you know, and, and shops or food or whatever is right around. And then making sure in your retail strip centers that you're, you're giving a variety, you're making sure that you're putting the right kind of people in there. So, you know, That's, that's absolutely awesome. And and thank you for that overview. I really appreciate it. And I know our listeners too. So on to, you know, kind of our next question, no one gets to where they are without some others that are helping them along the way. So Cherry, who were your key mentors that you had during your journey and what lessons did you learn early on that positioned you for your rapid growth? Not
1: that would really want to hear that. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, I mean yes and no I'm very much of an entrepreneur and it's within my DNA from both sides of you know my mom my mother and my father that I'll figure it out when I moved over to to KW I knew what I was getting into but in some degree I really didn't know him. um at that point in time you know with you know going through a divorce being a single parent you know Unfortunately, there really wasn't a lot of tools for me at that point or anyone really to go to at that point for, from, from a mentoring standpoint, what I knew. And that's one of the reasons why, another reason why I had, I had put so many hours into it and no joke, literally is 16, 18, 20 hours almost every day because I had two kids. I had to figure it out. It didn't matter. And there were a couple, there were a few times I was like, I can go back to regular corporate America and not be in my pretend corporate America. Cause I look at it this way. I'm still working in corporate America, but it's on my, on my terms for the most part. But for one reason or another, that was not that, that path I feel that was, that was set for me. And I did a lot of research. I, I didn't have anybody to go to. It's not that I didn't reach out to anybody, but for the most part party was something that I did a lot of research. I got my own legal library to understand and to continue learning as I continue to learn now about, you know, with, with, with real estate law. But I'm going to say for the first two and a half to almost three years, it was something I, I had to, I just figured it out myself. I had not too many people you know, to be actually be able to go to. Now, as I had mentioned, you know, my first broker that I had, I'm very grateful to him learning, learning how to, you know, to be able to, you know, provide appraisals, you know, uncertified and not certified appraisals, but to be able to appraise their property and and go through that evaluation process. So, you know, that, that one I'm, I'm very grateful for and, you know, and see each other and all that other, you know, those types of things but I just dug in, right? That's really what it was. And, and if I didn't know something, I just kept my mouth shut, <laughs> you know, to other brokers, you know, some of the clients that I happen to have, you know, was starting in retail, you know, one of my clients is, you know, one thing that's great with building rapport and building the trust and, and, you know, with clients and making referrals to, you know, with other people that they're either in business with, or know they have some type of relationship with i had one particular client that was just hardcore when it came to single tenant i mean his data and the criteria or the criteria that he had for me was really really intense like seemed almost impossible and i went through literally thousands of properties which i would have sold thousands or bought thousands or something like that from him But through the other brokerages that were sending me information, questions that were asked for me, I just started putting two and two together and just started researching. So I'm grateful to many other brokerages that were out there that sent information or answered questions, asked me questions. I learned a lot that way. And then yeah. started putting more and more and more together. And, you know, that, that's really kind of how it started. And then I, with meeting other brokers, you know, there's there's a couple of brokers that, you know, I've been in the industry for quite a period of time, you know, that I've built some good relationships with them. And then if I needed to, you know, bounce something off of them because I didn't really know where to go, you know, there there are a couple that I have had with that, you know, in that scenario. So, yeah, you know, but not not like a mentoring type of a program, you know, and now, you know, with KW, we do have a very robust, you know, platform and, and resources and training. And, but it was after the fact that it already put all that together. Cause that's one of the things that I've actually been able to put together and, and with my operations manager and, and so we have something that's really robust there, but it was just, just a lot of, you know, traditional old fashioned, I guess, Guess you want to call it, just hard work. I mean, lots of hours, lots of just complete dedication and not giving up, just keep going through, you know, that's what I had to do. I
0: love, I love that. You know, I, I always say, say in sales, right. There's always be closing the classic line, but I always say always be learning, right. There's always something that you can be learning. And one of my mentors fortunate enough to have, you know, a really great mentor here at Prexy, you know, he said, I never, I never had anyone to teach me anything. Right. You know, kind of like you, he's like, if I want to learn how to do something, I have to go and do it by myself. Right. I got to pick up the phone. I got to read the book. I got to, you know, figure it out. And that's really, you know, what is going to make you, you know, the most successful is just actually putting in those hours of hard work and just getting it together. So I love to hear that.
1: Well, if I may add to that, you know, I mean, there are definitely things that You know, when you don't always have to learn from your own mistakes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and that's where you can learn from mistakes from others, because in most situations, somebody has always been there, you know, so I have through, you know, the past four and a half years, let's just say in the past year and a half, I mean, with learning from others, having conversations, Mm -hmm. you know, with other brokers, just doing some additional research, and then doing a lot of, I do a lot of, you know, professional and, and personal development, you know, and, and coaching and training and all those types of things as well. And just apply that because you can pretty much apply, you know, business coaching, life coaching, you know, training on a, on a, on a continuous basis. You can always apply that to pretty much any area of your life. So it's not that I figured it all out. I don't want it to be that way, but when I, you know, the first two, two and a half years, I'm like, I, you know, I just, I didn't have really the time to try to continuously find someone. I just had to take the time, you know, and I just, I just figured it out, you know, and and worked it that way. So, and now it's much, much better. Of (laughs) course,
0: of course. And now you, you, you know, can share your wealth of knowledge with other people and, you know, kind of help them in that way. So. That's absolutely fantastic. Now, diving in, let's get into, you know, kind of today's topic, what a lot of people want to know about is Tampa's retail explosion. So can you do us all a favor and describe what trends you're seeing in Tampa's retail scene today versus maybe where we were five years ago when you just started in the market or, you know, pre-COVID times? Our market, I,
1: you know, even I'm going to say, pre COVID to some degree, you know, is always expanding. I mean, we live in such a beautiful place, you know, I I will definitely say that I've lived here for 30 years, you know, and I've seen such massive growth, you know, our, our weather, you know, where we're located, centrally located is very desirable, you know, for, for people to want to move here. So, and as I, I mean, I've just seen so much growth, even, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, with getting my license mm-hmm. and, you know, new development, you know, I even prior to get into commercial real estate and, you know, I had seen new development for many years of downtown Tampa prior to you know, the the big bus real estate bust, you know, that all of us or everybody went through just some one way, one form or a fashion. And, you know, with with uh you know, growth moving, moving north of Tampa, you know, as I said, downtown St. Pete, Clearwater, so many different areas. So it's, it's always been a constant continuous growth, but obviously with the pandemic and then after the pandemic, like even you know, during the pandemic, when it seemed like a lot of places were shut down, <laughs> I could say we were, <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, yeah. a little bit, but for the most part, we, we really weren't, you know, it was just a different type of, You know, communication, you know, a little bit more of a distance or, you know, and that scenario, but a lot of places from other states due to, you know, with our climate, you know, with I don't want to bring, you know, Florida as a whole into the market in the way that, you know, our state looks at things. But it just was really, really desirable for, for people to wanting to move, you know, with moving to Florida. And it just happened to be with, with Tampa Bay as a whole, I think because of where we are located and how much we we have to offer in, in our in our area, in the Tampa Bay area, it just made it even more desirable. So regarding different types of tenancy that's here, one of the things that I have seen is more of not necessarily as large a space as maybe some of the places, you know, would have gone into previously as they are now. Now spaces for the most part are maybe half the size or three quarters of the size of, you know, instead sort of taking let's say 10,000 square feet. Maybe they're taking half of that or maybe 7,500, you know, but you're really seeing a, a, a different mix of tenancy. In that sense, you're seeing a lot of that healthcare of primary care that's moving into urgent care that's moving into just really making it more of a a destination place where people can actually be able to go in and you have a multiple, you know, a multiple tenancy mix. And those are big drivers for different markets, different places, different, you know, strip centers. And, and, um, it, it definitely hasn't slowed down, that's for sure. You know, lots of new development, renovations, Clearwater Beach. Not I'm not sure if you're familiar no, with, but the two most desirable markets to move into in the hottest. I don't know if you want to call it number one or number two, but those two markets are Clearwater Beach and Key West. Those are the two main markets that were there. And and the only reason why I happen to know that is because I was I was contacted from, from one of the largest development. Companies, you know, globally, and and they had reached out to me and and asked me if I could meet with them, and and they flew in one afternoon. I met with them later that you know on Clearwater Beach, whenever quite a few things because I represent a lot of Clearwater Beach as well from a retail standpoint and hospitality, <laughs> you know, hotel standpoint, and then they turn around and 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 flew out. So, but anyway.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Really, really appreciate that overview. And definitely, you know, I mean, Florida was I, you know. Um, very fortunate to, to not mm-hmm. slow down too much. So it was already, you know, Tampa, Fairwater, et cetera, already doing really well in terms of the retail ex- explosion and then just continuing throughout that. And now, you know, everything is back in full swing. So it's really exciting that you get to represent mm-hmm. those towns and just continue to, you know, increase the growth in those cities. So kind of going back into or, or getting off this a little bit and going more into your retail development projects, right? So you're heavily involved in those. What does the creative or reuse scene look like in Tampa today? What maybe are some hidden opportunities or potentially obstacles should investors know about this market?
1: Well, from a redevelopment, I have a, a couple of great clients that are developers that also, you know, with, with multifamily and with retail. So the redevelopment, majority of the ones that I'm doing are with a redevelopment with multifamily and, and with retail. So that is something that's very exciting because development are absolutely gorgeous places and they they've done quite a few. And how that I got introduced to a couple of the different parties and developers was through relationships that with other partners they may be in business with, and you know have other different types of of asset that they happen to share, or and so that just basically had come into play, you know, through the course of the time. There's a couple other, I mean, I, you see a lot in the Tampa Bay market, and as I'm sure probably in other markets as well, with multifamily, you know, and. Mine always has retail component to it, <laughs> and so I think that's one of the things that that that's strong there, and one of the reasons why you bring it in and in desirable areas that people are wanting to be. So I'm I'm working on a new project that that's going to be in in the heart of Dunedin, which I'm really excited about, it and and have about forty thousand square feet of retail at the bottom, of some beautiful four story condominium apartments, and it's it's a small little area of Tampa, but right on the water as well. That's nice. And then I've got other, you know, different redevelopment from a retail standpoint, but a different from, you know, you've got a lot of, you know, different types of storage companies. Not a lot. I will say there's only mainly five different kinds of the, of the, of the, the main parent companies, you sure. know, and I happen to know that because one of the national ones that I happen to work with, and becoming educated with working with them in the state of Florida, which is which is awesome. But those are in retail locations, and and you know, so that's another area you know coming into play from the storage, but then also adding you know out parcels redevelopment of an existing area, bringing in some co tenancy mix, adding it along with storage. You know, so that's new because normally you'll see storage just by itself, but we're adding, you know, retail components to it makes makes it nice. So some hidden gems that may be out there. Me, I just, you know, what I'm one of the things that I'm doing right now are just looking for for areas that fits from a redevelopment standpoint. A couple of my clients, you know, what their criteria is, and that's just taking the time and 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 doing the hard work that's there and and seeing what's available. You know, one of the things that I can say is knowing ahead of time, from the zoning, what the FAR is, what the land use, all those different types of things that most commercial brokers already know, but knowing that ahead of time and trying to get there as quickly as you, you know, as you possibly can. There's different shortcuts instead of having to contact the municipalities and find that out. But after working with so many of them for a period of time on multiple, many, many, many different projects. I mean, definitely we've been able to get it down to a very quick science that we know very, very fast with even having to contact them on what we can actually do. So with putting that together, I mean that's kind of like a little hidden gem, but getting things over to our clients that were that were that we're representing from the buy side or redevelopment side, you know, that would be kind of like a I would say like a hinge in from an investment with working with a with a broker that's really do, willing to put in that work. I mean, I'm sure you had probably heard about the one with oh, I'm trying to think of his name right now. It's here in St. Pete, and they beat us out of it. God, I can't even think of it. It's off of right off of like 66th Street, 34th and 66th, with Tesla. Tesla bringing a, a new facility that's here. So we with one of my clients, that same facility, you know, Tessa ended up being us out of that, which is awesome, you know, because they're putting a new facility and we need it, you know, for the, you know, for the Tampa Bay area that just brings more and more, but that was just something, it wasn't something that was on the market, just happened to reach out to, you know, who the owner was. There was, there was quite a few of us that were trying to, to get this particular site, but there are things like that. If you put the work in, you know what it is, the size of the site that you need and put it together as quickly as you possibly can go in your your highest and best offer like yep. and you know making an offer that way so those are kind of like those hidden gems you know for maybe an investor that's from a larger side you know wanting to to come into to the market here though so.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I love those stories and that's so creative on how you can do redevelopment and you know, you mentioned, you know, investors coming in like storage. What what other potential kind of investors are you seeing if any that are partic- that are participating? in Tampa's retail market? And what do these groups look at for potential investment? So, you know, is it institutional or more private um, or unique operators, as you mentioned, storage or potentially any healthcare? what, What does that look like for you?
1: From an investment standpoint, I mean, I don't work with too many rates. You know, okay. and that's I mean if it comes from the purchase side, then there are a lot of different properties that I've looked at that REITs do happen to own them. But in my experience from an investment standpoint, the and investors that from, from I've different clients of mine from many different states. And I would say 75% of them, I've never met them in person. <laughs> only been on their sure. phone, never met them in person, <laughs> maybe maybe 80%, yep. you know? So, you know, or it took, you know, a couple of years after so many deals, and finally they happen to be, you know, here in Tampa, like, oh my gosh, we finally, you know, get to meet, you know, in that sure. scenario. So really understanding what, what that investment group, what they're looking for. I mean, I, I have a good understanding what their portfolio is. So, you know, I mean, I have clients in mind that only want, you know, single tenant, you know, absolute triple net, you know, type of, of assets to acquire. So with that, you know, what that criteria is, what their cap rate is, and we all know a cap rate is, you know, it, it, it can come and go. You can, uh, one wants, you know, the seller wants a lower cap and, you know, buyer wants a higher cap, it's just a play of the numbers. Yep. So what is our budget? What are the type of assets fit into their portfolio? Portfolio that I happen to like, you know, if they're corporate guarantee that's there. If it's a, a franchisee, you know, in that scenario, how many, how many different types of franchises do they happen to have? I you mean, know, what's what's the, the the bigger take or the bigger look from the financial standpoint. So yeah, th- so it just kind of like really depends. I mean, I have multiple different kinds that are looking at ones that are a single tenant. That's all they want. They That just adds to a for- portfolio. They don't want hardly any of a risk. And I have other clients of mine that they want as much upside as they possibly can. You know, they have boots that are here on the ground. You know, they have their own contracting company internally and their own architectural. So for them, them to be able to do that. They have the infrastructure that's already in place. So for them, it's, it, it, it it's a different kind of a play of an acquiring an asset or redevelopment or whatever it may be. Then you have one set one multiple tenant mix. I have four or five different kinds that want different things. So, but for the most part, I mean, cash transactions, pretty easy 10, 1031. So I've only, I think of all the different deals that I've actually done. I've only had uh Now, finally, in my third that actually had financing, all the other ones were just were cash transactions, you know, 1031s, you know, stuff like that. So that's
0: awesome. I, I, I appreciate, you know, the, the overview there and the insights into different deals that you've personally done. It's always fascinating just to kind of hear the deal terms and, you know, you know, potentially what people want and, you know, it does vary on a case by case basis. So it's awesome that you have that knowledge and, and you know what people are looking for. And it's really asking those questions and, and matching the right kind of asset to that. Right. So appreciate that. Now, moving more into, you know, our third topic, just kind of retail as a whole, right? So although maybe not in Tampa, retail in general has faced heavy headwinds in the last few years, but seems to really be turning a corner. What opportunities or potentially challenges do you see ahead for participants in the sector? I'll
1: start off with challenges. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is, it's more so on um, the market lease rates. You okay. know, so hopefully, and I'm going to say the majority of of retail businesses that are out there, whether they're a franchise or a single type of thing, with their business plan that they've actually put together, there's also there's a budget that has come with it, an operating budget, and so many different elements that that are comprised of that actual budget. Okay. And with that, because the market rates have in some areas have gone quite high. I think that that is a a challenge that's there from a realistic standpoint. One of the biggest things is, is with redevelopment or renovations, being able to get the materials, as we all know, to within a timely manner and then working with con- contractors and subcontractors and not being able to guarantee pricing. So that right there has been something that is has been a challenge. I knew one of the hotels with one of my owners on Clearwater Beach currently have four hotels that are there. And we were in the process of building another one after we had parking garage you know, to accommodate because we need Colorado Beach was only so large, but we just, we can't get any guarantee on pricing because things have just up and down, up and down and interest rates and all that other kind of stuff. So we've got, you know, three other hotels that we're working on that are right down the road on, on our, not on Colorado Beach, but you know you're driving down south on what we consider it's like Gulf Boulevard goes all the way, you know, like north and south in that area. And so we've got some other hotels that we're working on there that we had already started. But so those are those are the the I think probably like the the biggest challenges or setbacks that you know from tenants, I think the expectation or and I generally, the majority of the time, represent the landlord, but if a tenant's not represented or if there's something that happens, you know, and then, you know, we have the opportunity to capture them as a client, then absolutely, both sides, <laughs> bring them into if, you know, sure. if it fits in one of person. Absolutely, and the expansion, all that kind of stuff. But I think with the expectation of what the landlord should offer to a tenant for a TI standpoint, I think that's another thing that in, in some cases is kind of unrealistic. Actually expecting the landlord to provide so much towards their build out. Well, who I represent the majority of the time the landlord well, who provided the build out or the build for besides the bank. I mean, they had to pay for it. You know, so I think some unrealistic expectations from a tenancy standpoint, not all, but I've just, I've just more so come around and like, okay, well, what are, what have you done for me lately? you know, yeah. kind of like attitude, what are you going to give us for this? Well, it's this, 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 and this, that's what mm-hmm. we're going to do. And part of your business plan should have been had in there for operations and for build out costs for so many other contributing factors. And, and so that. You know that those are some challenges, but I think that we're working with from, yeah, what was the other way? I kind of got a soft task there. I went so much on on the challenges. So um, from a positive standpoint, you were asking about that. We have just so many different types of businesses that are wanting to move here from 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 a um, national franchise. Have all the different kinds of verticals and they're 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 wanting to go to multiple you know multiple different places within the tampa bay and we have corporate ones you know that are here new concepts that are amazing i came across a new concept that from one of my colleagues out of one of our k the atlanta offices and asked me you know if i would be able to work with them and it's just it's just amazing just what this would end up being and what it's bringing just you know, creativity of how people come up with something something that's different and 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 bringing it and and to different markets and things that you haven't seen before, which is just awesome. I mean, we we are I think close to five five and a half million people in the Tampa Bay area. We've grown tremendously, so I mean, it's 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 great to see, you know, with the diversification of just all the different kinds of people that we happen to have, you know, within our, within the city and the surrounding cities, you know, the growth, but we still have, to me, we still kind of have a hometown feel. Mm-hmm. Even though we have lots of traffic, lots of people, but it's very different. I mean, you can go into a really nice, elegant restaurant and be dressed to the nines or whatever, or you can wear a pair of nice khakis, you know, it doesn't really matter. People, are still very, very friendly that's here. So I think that as a big driver with people wanting to move, you really don't have much of pretentiousness that's here. And you have a lot of corporate, a lot of corporate companies that are moving. I don't know if you would consider like their headquarters, they still have headquarters, but maybe their second co-headquarters, if you want to call it that, but a lot of people moving here and, you know, retiring and, And uh, we're semi-retiring and like, but they still have large, large corporations, so.
0: Absolutely. I mean... You know, even with some of those challenges that you mentioned, you sold me on on moving to (laughs) Tampa. Better move over another right, right, right. Um, No, I mean it. It it sounds it sounds really exciting, really, really good things to have, and Mm -hmm. you're lucky to to be a part of that. And you know, any investors is is lucky to have you. You know, potentially represent them or landlord and and things like that. So, moving on to our last. Topic. Uh, just some advice for our listeners here. So, what pieces of advice would you give to investors looking to acquire retail in your market, or potentially your peers or, or fellow brokers? Well,
1: those are three different, three different areas. <laughs> I would say, from an from an investment standpoint, and like an investor, and with working, you know, with a broker and or a firm that that understands you and that's uh, really willing to understand what your needs are and what timing there's just so many different key factors into play and, and, and being able to have the infrastructure to be able to support what it is, what it is that, you know, that they're looking for and then making sure that it's a good fit. I mean, not necessarily, is it a good fit for everyone? You know, I have a great rapport with, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say all of the clients that I have in because some of them worked with not that it's been that long. And you know, I have my oldest client that I've worked for, for four and a half years, but I, you know, I mean, it, it's such an honor with, with working with him. And he says, yeah, and he has all kinds, all different kinds of assets and, and started from scratch, you know, and, and says to me, well, I trust you like I trust my wife, <laughs> you know, in that <laughs> sense. And I work with him. So that's built. With, with with that trust that's there and I have my own like self-ownership meaning in there because they know that I look at the places that I represent them or when I'm buying it, I'm doing it for myself, you know? So it really kind of like depends on if it's a good fit with whomever it is that they're working with. Then with, I'm going to say, you know, someone that's new getting into it and even other commercial brokers that are out there, platforms <laughs> like Crexy, I can really say that, you know, Cruxy is, has, has been a huge contributor to helping us with our database on, and we have a very extensive database. It's, it's very granular from, from being able to break it out understanding. I mean, if I had half a dozen more, I mean, you know, I mean, my goal for this year is really big, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to be able to hit it, you know, be I mean, like, you know, is that possible? Yeah, it's possible, but that's that's a lot of hours that are into, but it also takes a lot of infrastructure to be able to hit massive goals like that. But platforms, as I said, like with Crux, I mean, there's just, there, there's so many different things that come into play. And that's when I said, like, I didn't have anybody to be able to go to, you know, to like, how do you put that together? You know, how do you put this infrastructure from an operation standpoint, because there's so many platforms from a marketing, from a CRM standpoint, from an intelligence, from automation, like all these different things. And it, it takes manpower. So you have to be able to have the support to be able to do it. Key people, I used to think because I was so hard on myself and I had such high expectations and I'm going to be more accountable to myself than somebody else is going to be to me. I'm like, I can't be, nobody's going to be harder on me than I'm going to be on myself. So I know I've got to be able to get it done. So people that, that work with me and I say, don't work for me, but work with me because we work together, even though that they're paid employees, but still we work together and we collaborate together and, and their expectations are just as high as what mine is. You know, career. I think that mine were way too high. So I kind of, you know, give it a little bit of slack. No, 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 no. Through some pro- professional training, I realized that why should I not have the same expectations for them or have that for themselves? And they're not the, the, the player or, you know, key player that should, you know, be on the team on that scenario. So I know I'm kind of like going a little bit over all over it, but those are some key elements that whether you're with existing, someone that's been in the industry for many, many years or someone that's new, that's coming into it. And one of the biggest things also is it really depends on your own expectations of what you're wanting to accomplish. We all have different expectations of ourselves and what success means to us you know, as individuals and really thinking about what that means to, to that individual and, and what they're wanting to do. You know, I come from both my parents were creators and made things happen and, and being out there and, and being very successful. And so that's just something that my goals that I set for myself are, are really high and I, I go after it. So it just, really take a look at what it is that they want to do.
0: I love that. You gave us so much information there. You know, from the investor standpoint, you've got to find the right fit. You've got to find the right broker. You know, it's all about a mesh with anything in life, right? Your relationships, your therapist, right? Your brother, right. right? They're kind of all right. the same one, right? You've got to be able to have that trust. You've got to be able to have that understanding. And then I think it's it's also personal just tying it all up for people that want to get into the industry or your peers is just set your goals, right? You have to know what you yourself want to accomplish. You have to have a roadmap to get there and you have to put in the hard work. That's something consistently I've heard you say, you know, mm-hmm. over this podcast and what I absolutely love. And I think that everyone needs a reminder of it at the end of the day, you know, you create your own luck, right? right? You will do however well at you want to do is it's about putting in the work you know, you get out what you give. So make sure that you're giving to all of your clients, make sure that you're giving to yourself and really just being that advocate um, for yourself and others. And that's really where you're going to win. So I've truly enjoyed everything that you've said and, you know, kind of uh, got me energized. I want to, you know, run through a wall right now. So (laughs) thank
1: you. No, no, you're welcome. The other thing I would just want to add, and this is like in any business, anything that we want to do, I have a, a great passion and um, love for what it is that I do. I really honestly believe on what it is that I do. I, and I think that's what also helps pushing. So that's a, that's a key factor. I think that, I mean, yeah, there are times that I just say, put me out of my misery, you know, with certain things that I happen to go through, but I honestly really love what it is that I do. My, the clients that I happen to work, with, they see that passion and be like, oh my God, you're just talking about state again and this and, just the, just rapports I'm doing, just, I don't know. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of passion and, and a lot of desire in that sense. You know, are we are fortunate. I've been grateful, compensated very, very well, <laughs> but earned it. Yeah, You know, I've said that, you know, a couple of like, we paid you too much. I'm like, no, you didn't. I earned it <laughs> in that scenario. But they, we, we joke about that, but they know, I mean, putting your whole heart into it and just, just. Diving into it and understanding and 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 enjoying it, liking what you do. If you have a passion and you really like it, it's not like you're getting up and I'm going to work every day. I mean, I have an office in downtown Tampa. I'm hardly ever there. You know, I I love working from my office at home. I mean, I'm looking out. You know, I could turn around. I'm looking at. I'm right on the water on the intercoastal on the beach you know, so, but that was with hard work. So I love looking at my office. <laughs> I mean, that's my office looking out these windows that are right here, you know? Absolutely.
0: That That's your, that's your reward for all the hard work. And if you don't have passion, you have nothing. Right. And you know, if you're passionate, then other people will be passionate and they're going to reflect they see it, it what you through. project out. So that's so awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cherry. We are thrilled that you've been able to join us here today and shared all of your insights. I know you're very busy and we appreciate you taking well, the time thank you to get that with us. Um, no, well,
1: and thank where, you. Can, an where an can people...
0: Um, of course. Of course. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch? So um, your email your social media or LinkedIn.
1: I have all. <laughs> so either either my email, I mean, you know, I, my What's your email emails, Cherry? on there, it's cherry.tabesco at kw.com.
0: Perfect. Yep.
1: And then LinkedIn, definitely. I have stuff that's on LinkedIn, you know, I used to do a lot more posting on LinkedIn of information, informative and content for clients. And that's another place that we need, I need to hire somebody that just works just specifically for my social media because that's a lot. Don't really do much on, you know, Facebook or anything like that or, you know, I, but have an Instagram page, but really don't do a lot. But it's mainly, you know, f- from a business standpoint, you know, Facebook or an email or, or you know, just pick up the phone and call. Pick up the <laughs> phone know, and that. call. Yeah, We'd right. love
0: that too. We love that too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure not to miss the next one. Visit go.crexi.com slash podcast. That's go.crexi, C-R-E-X-I.com forward slash podcast and sign up to get the very next episode delivered straight to your inbox. You can also subscribe to the Crexi podcast on your favorite podcast app. Or check out our YouTube channel at www.youtube.com for video recordings of each episode. Goodbye, stay well, and we'll see you next time.